Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a lot of things around gaming first, which includes something about Pokemon Go and Phil Spencer saying more things about the Xbox One X and Forza 7, uh, Rockstar's PC mod controversy, along with an exclusive bit of information about PlayStation that's just on the podcast. And it's relevant to India. Yeah. And in the second half of this podcast, we will be talking about two TV shows. One of them is American Gods and The Handmaid's Tale. So if you're not interested in the gaming related stuff, you can just skip right right ahead to around the 45 minute mark where you'll find the pop culture stuff. Alright, so to start with, we will be talking about all the gaming related news and as usual, we have friend of the podcast, Mikhail Madnani. Yeah, hello. And we have our games editor, Rishi Alwani. What people talk about TV shows on this podcast, that's not Seinfeld. Is that even a thing? What is Seinfeld? Oh, yeah, so... It's a show about nothing, so the Xbox One X. Oh, Oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm your host, Pranay Parab. So, first of all, I think we should be talking about this Pokemon Go-related things that are happening. So, it's been, what, one year since the game launched? Almost one year since the game launched, as our uh, most gracious Pokemon enthusiast, Pranay Parab, tells us prior to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, July 6th was when we were graced with, you know, being able to catch Pikachu in real life. And then for a month, we were playing Pokemon Go for work, weren't we? More than a month, actually. But now, now we shouldn't get into that. You know, if some people listening might not, uh, our bosses might not take... uh, The traffic is there for everyone to see. Hopefully people listening are playing better games. (laughs) Pika, Pika. Anyway, point is, uh, so Pokemon Go got a, is getting a massive, massive update. It got something. The gyms got updated now where uh, uh, now... It's basically you can have multiple people uh, owning the same gym together and teaming up. I think that's live right now from what I was reading. But the big update which has the co-op raid bosses and uh, the MMO-like elements is coming in a few weeks. Yeah, so raid battles is a big deal. For those of you who aren't aware, raid battles essentially is a feature of most massively multiplayer online games games like world of warcraft have them even shared world games like destiny have them wherein uh the the game presents you with this really badass tough to beat boss and you team up with your friends to you know beat him and if you beat him within a specific time you get cool loot cool items and that's what's being promised in uh pokemon Go. wasn't it pioneered by diablo where you had those uh, Uber Baal and Uber Mephisto and all those bosses earlier. I, I guess it's probably a progenitor to the raid system, which yeah. we've seen in WoW and uh, other and other MMOs. Like yeah. I think FF14 also has them, yep. if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So point is, it's it probably probably started there. I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but what is of interest is uh, it just goes to show how much convergence we're seeing. Mm. Uh, if you look at it, Pokemon Go is just out a year ago, and uh, they've been consistently belting out updates they've allowed they, they, they've allowed new pokemon to come in they've brought in uh, some changes in how items work and what items you can use and uh, yeah uh, raid battles is a pretty cool inclusion in addition to this they've even changed how gyms function so if you put a pokemon on a, a in a gym you can put up to six and each of them have to be different pokemon and there's uh, once you do that, there's a motivation meter attached to it. If the motivation goes down, you need to feed it berries or something for it to, you know, continue uh, 
being amped about guarding a gym. So they've they've made some very interesting changes to how the game plays. They, they've added some new items as well, like golden raspberries, and uh, it's going to be rolling out in the next few weeks. It's a very uh, it's 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 a very nice it's very nice to see a game getting supported more so on mobile because everyone knows how fleeting mobile support can be. So it's good to see that Niantic have their skin in the game. So does the Pokemon company. And hopefully you should see more after this because uh, this does open up the doors to, to more possibilities because fine, while when Pokemon launched, everyone thought it was, you know, a simple AR kind of toy, right? Very rudimentary, very basic. And the fact that they're adding on features, who knows, it could just essentially end up being the Pokemon MMO everyone wanted it to be. Yeah, probably. And it's very good to see that uh, Niantic have supported the game throughout uh, this year. They had like a special Halloween themed uh, update, I yep. think, earlier. And then uh, every time there's like a big season like Christmas. or There's uh, a there's another summer event coming which yeah. focuses on a few uh, cities in the US which has uh, like they've actually encouraged people to like come together in parks and all that and yeah, play and together I think, and I all believe, uh, real life events as they call some it. Some of those have been sold out already. Like within minutes they were sold out or something. Yep. Uh, yeah, they'll have to do that because yeah. Uh, yeah. The thirst is real. Yeah. So yeah, I mean things going out of stock, servers not being available. Uh, you know, you want to avoid those kinds of things with uh, Pokemon Go. But anyway, like this uh, game has a very, very interesting history. Last year when it first launched... Uh, I believe it was like, I mean, Niantic was totally unprepared for the game going viral. and it wasn't even no. available in India until later. Yeah, yeah but then, then, that never know. stopped people. And honestly, yeah. really, Hashtag Niantic, APK page, yaar. Never and forget honestly, that. I don't, I, I don't believe that you aren't aware of people wanting to play a Pokemon game. Because if you look how well the series has done since its inception, that to me makes no sense. It's just that you have too many people over here versus not that much revenue coming. So they didn't prioritize that. And also yeah, they yeah. don't have any scammy um, IAPs or any other like scammy practices. Like there are no ads in the game if I'm not mistaken. Okay, apart yeah. from sponsored Pokestops. Okay. Uh, which are actually a pretty good form of advertising I would say. Because you go there and you get your Pokeballs or whatever. right? And Niantic earns some revenue from that. Yep. Uh, but there's no like stupid ad showing up every time you open the game. There's no thing like you need to buy some in-app purchase to progress in the game um, you can actually quite easily keep leveling up until your Pokemon Though, is like at level I 40. think that might change because with raid battles you get one uh, raid ticket a day if you visit a gym hmm. and if you want to try uh, try a raid more than once a day yes you'll need to purchase premium tickets but they sell they sell a lot of these uh, the consumables already it's just that they aren't necessary yeah yeah, so that's so what the point is. Like that's probably why it's not. Uh, it won't be making much money in a country like India. No, um, in the end, it will get because that small percentage of people yeah. will be spending. So if you have like, yeah. probably I, I don't think we have numbers for India. I don't think we'll get them either. But it's probably been downloaded at least a few hundreds of thousands of times across both. Yeah. I think a little more than that. More than that, yeah. Because yeah, even yes, if you yeah. count the, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot more even when you factor in the unofficial unofficial downloads. Oh, yeah, yeah. But fact of the matter is, yeah, it's a thing. People are playing it. Uh, is it something they'll continue playing here? I doubt. Because, I mean, you have other games that uh, that, that are doing just as well here, man. You have Asphalt, you have uh, Crash Royale, you have GTA San Andreas that people are still playing for some <laughs> reason. So point is, uh, it, it's a bit of a crowded scene. And is, is it something people will play considering that you need to be always online? I'm a little skeptical because even with, with Super Mario Run, after the initial buzz, not too many people are still playing it. Yeah, because they haven't added anything new. And that, that too. addictive hook got over. Like once you finish the levels, I, I don't really care about getting those stars. That too. And yeah, and that kingdom builder mode, I mean, less said about it. tacked on. Builder, yeah. So this this actually has the hook which seems to get people playing. So yeah. people are still playing and they're adding more content. 
and also they added new pokemon and all right so that was a very good move for this i mean game. they'll keep doing that now they'll add stuff from ultra sun and ultra moon like in november when it comes out to tie in and they'll probably get more sales over there because yep. sun and moon have like i think they crossed 15 million just on 3ds yep so i don't think infinite warfare hit that much across all three platforms i think it has right now oh sure. ma- yeah i guess probably right so, now but yeah. like not in the first two months no no chance no chance so yeah Yeah, and the game doesn't appear to be doing that well. I was just checking the top-grossing lists on the App Store, uh, iOS. Okay. Uh, at least in the top 80, it's not there. So that does that means it's probably not making much Android money. Android is in saving India. it in India. Uh, sure. I mean, in terms of numbers, yeah. No, but what's interesting is that when it launched in India, there was this big announcement that they were tying up with Geo and nothing after that. Maybe yeah. that's why. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. So I think we should move on to the other end of the spectrum, which is uh, 4K gaming. Oh, Ex- oh, you mean Phil Spencer? Yeah, like after Geo makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Phil Spencer has given a bunch of interviews after E3 2017, yep. or during E3 2017 actually. Yeah. And he said a bunch of things like uh, the Xbox One S is the console everybody will be buying. Xbox One X will not be bought by many people. That's true. Like that's yeah. that's like Captain Obvious or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but I don't know how true that's going to be because. While it's nice to say that, let's be honest. If you're, if all your advertising and communication is going to be spearheaded by the One X, no, they're just going to have a, uh, it'll just be Xbox and Windows 10, and in the end, it'll say Xbox One X enhanced, with you know those HDR and all those terms which they just have those brandings. Yeah. They can't advertise only Xbox One X. It'll still have, uh, they'll have both basically. Like how Sony starts off with PlayStation, and in the end, they just say the best place to play, and they'll put PlayStation 4 Pro, but. When you go to buy a thing and you see something for two hundred and something for four hundred, you're gonna buy the two hundred thing. Yeah, but in this case, something for two hundred, something 500. for five hundred. So oh, yeah, yeah. It's so long story short, he's been saying a lot of things around the console, such as you know, four uh, K being more important than frame rate, or like uh, a situation where, or a situation where uh, you know. Um, Games like Forza will play best on on a One X because you know it has a multi it, it, the performance will be similar to a multi thousand dollar PC, but fact of the matter is uh, after a very glitzy showy presentation at E3 the cracks are starting to appear, wherein you know not all games are going to do 4K native. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origin being one of them, Anthem being another, both using checkerboard techniques, which uh, well Forza is native. Forza is native, yeah. but and and at the same time, I mean, what's the point of saying you know you have for, you have first party games in development when you have nothing to show for it? And what's even more amusing is the fact that Microsoft is apparently hiring up for a Horizon Zero Dawn competitor, which apparently is going to be made by Playground Games, maker of the awesome Forza Horizon series. But Playground Games. Is working on multi-platform IP, from what we know. Yeah, but then it, there is a possibility that it could also. I mean, they're not saying what it's for or who's doing it. They just say they're just keeping mum no, about it. No, I mean it. like uh, if Microsoft is hiring for it, it's going to be Xbox and Windows 10. Exactly. Playground Games has specifically said they it's multi-platform. It's not restricted. They have. Yes. I'm, okay. I'm so pretty sure they have because that's why everyone got excited and they said, "Oh, is it coming to PS4 and all?" Will Forza Horizon come? You know, like that PC mentality. Yeah, but then so you know how it is, right? Multi-platform could also just mean Xbox and PC. It can also mean <laughs> Xbox One S, One X, and PC. So there you but go. But yeah, like we won't know until they say anything. Like with Remedy, they've made it clear that the engine is now being built for PS4 as well. Great. Now next, bring Alan Wake over. What is it? N9 or something? That Project N9 or something? I don't know. They have these numbers, so then the next project is uh, gonna come to PS4, Xbox, and PC. So yeah, hopefully it doesn't require you to stream half the game off some server sitting somewhere. I'm pretty sure that like was Microsoft's fault. 
I don't know whose fault it is. It's just stupid, and it's not. Think about it. Happen. Like uh, the X, the, the Xbox One release of Quantum Break is just the disc, and you have to download a patch, and you have to download everything or stream it. When they did the PC release, uh, they let THQ Nordic like have a booklet, have an art book, have posters, have multi DVDs, and have whatever. It's just that in the end, Microsoft didn't let them put the uh, TV shows on the disc. Because, like, I think they think people are going to pirate it or share it or whatever. Or it's probably as to the fact that Microsoft probably money hatted it. Because if you look at, because I've watched all of the episodes, and yeah, there's a lot of Surface and Windows. I mean, branding. it's it's a work of fiction, right? So they yeah. wanted to keep it a work of fiction. So yeah, which is why Windows it's like. Phone. Remember the there's one Spider-Man movie where the guy was using Bing and he had a Sony phone. Yeah. Who uses Sony phones? So hate dude. Bing. Yeah, and <laughs> Bing. Like, so basically, uh, I don't know if it's going to be playground, but. Uh, let's see who they get because so far all the internal studios are like not releasing anything this yeah, year. Yeah, so the coalition's still working updates on Gears of War. So uh, I had one question yeah. actually. Um, how much of it do you think is like strategy tax? Because my understanding is that if you don't have any exclusives or any first party uh, stuff coming out today, that decision was probably taken like three years ago, right? Where you decided that this is the strategy we'll follow, we'll focus on hardware. Mm, and no, no, uh, it can't be that because if you focus only on hardware without exclusives, you need mm. marketing deals. Mm. They don't have that. Exactly. Sony has everything covered except Assassin's Creed Origins. They have FIFA, which is like, I think it's the biggest deal, biggest loss for Microsoft in terms of marketing deals because anyway, people buy like FIFA on PlayStation, but Microsoft has nothing now. So Microsoft and Konami are going to be the biggest losers of that marketing deal, according to me. Uh, the problem with Microsoft is all the stuff which is coming out this year or even next year has been announced like three years ago or something. So they've gone into that whole, like they've gone into the Sony cycle. Meanwhile, Sony, on the other hand, is now like, since they had already announced everything, those release dates are coming. Yes. We'll get to that like in a bit. But uh, Phil Spencer's thing, I don't know, the only interview of his which is actually worth watching, I think, is the Giant Bomb one where uh, they were actually like, Jeff Gersman was asking candidly about a lot of questions and he answered and he actually said like, oh, I'm going to be stepping on a grenade with this answer because like, I hope PR doesn't hear this and stuff like that. Uh, the problem is, he also said stuff like, uh, I'm not a fan of exclusive deals, exclusivity deals and keeping stuff off other platforms. Now, uh, Microsoft, it, this basically happened last gen with the Xbox 360 where Microsoft was winning the generation and they had like exclusive content for almost every AAA game at the time. They had AAA third party exclusives as well. So, Seemingly, there was no problem that time, but now that you're uh, getting kicked by Sony, it's a big problem. And uh, this is another reason why I think they are trying to push for crossplay because uh, in the beginning of the generation, uh, like Sony said, okay, like we don't mind Street Fighter 5 has PC, PS4 crossplay. Uh, Final Fantasy 14 has PC, PS4 crossplay, and PS3 also at the time. But uh, when Xbox gets in the picture, there's no crossplay, or it's just PC, PS4. Uh, I can see this from both sides. Like, obviously, Microsoft would like crossplay because then their user base can still play with other people instead of like being restricted. Like, suppose, uh, like the Dragon Ball fighting game, which is coming out next year, even though Microsoft showed it off, the majority of that audience is going to be on PlayStation, followed by maybe Xbox and PC. So. And also, what what we're forgetting is there's also more incentive for Microsoft to push crossplay. Specifically with games like Minecraft, where on the Nintendo Switch, you need to use an Xbox Live account. Now, let, let's be honest here. A couple, of, uh, a couple of quarters ago, Microsoft also announced that, uh, if, that they won't be announcing, that they won't be talking about console sales figures. They'll be talking about active users on, on Xbox Live and Windows. Now, the moment you add a very fertile user base of, let's say, 2 million and growing uh, Nintendo Switches, and 
in a in a perfect world they'd probably have the odd 60 million ps4s to go by it just makes it just ensures that you know phil spencer has a has a has a job for another year and honestly uh, i can't blame sony for not playing ball because why the heck should you have to use microsoft's own service to run a game that's allegedly third party it doesn't make sense for them right and besides why and and let's be honest if microsoft weren't losing as badly as they are right now where they're being outsold 3 is to 1 in europe 2 is to 1 in the us and in india probably 15 is to 1 20 is to 1 uh they wouldn't be in this situation all right for them uh, if 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 they were if they're doing better they wouldn't they wouldn't be using crossplay as a kind of a you know as a kind of a push to ensure that people are on their side so i don't know what their deal is man i just think they, it's i think what they're doing is like they've they need to somehow get consumer mind share back after losing exactly. it in the start like they pushed the whole tv thing no use games and all that and that backfired like that that console is where it is because of all the marketing that happened and the reveal not because 900 versus 1080p exactly so uh what's going to happen now is like i can see the minecraft thing is actually going to be a be important because minecraft is a huge deal so if sony doesn't do it for minecraft they're not going to do it for anything and more importantly is there is no reason to do it because a game like minecraft already has a sustainable audience on that platform no so what's happening with minecraft is it's not just the like online crossplay uh microsoft is actually holding a big platform update for minecraft hostage until this crossplay thing happens because it's apparently part of this better together update which is probably like as i'm sure there's no ulterior motive over here for microsoft but uh basically uh the update which brings the console versions up to speed with the windows 10 ios and android versions is not coming to ps4 only now because of this whole crossplay thing so but they could easily do it but they aren't because they want everything to come together so ps4 will lose out on uh, future features future performance updates 4k support also is not there still so yeah that's a big but deal but does it really matter to the audience that plays minecraft on the ps4 it's going to matter because m- the most of the audience who consistently plays minecraft also like watches youtube often and they look at what other people are building uh now when you look at what other people are building and you can't do that on your platform it's going to become a problem and it's going to reach there true but then i also feel that at the end of the day it's a question of deciding who's going to blink first whether you know microsoft decides to blink first and serve uh, a potential 60 million a uh, 60 million uh, install base or if sony decides what's what, what's what works for them and their consumers at the end of it i just don't think that running xbox live on ps4 is the solution and it's not it's not but go. like that's the only way this is because when i play minecraft on ipad you get xbox live achievements through it now Oh yeah, <laughs> interesting. And they also said that uh, since Nintendo Switch doesn't have a native achievement system, uh, and Minecraft does, so Phil Spencer actually said if Nintendo's okay with it, we want to bring Xbox achievements to Minecraft on Switch. So, I don't know. I just think that I think that crossplay in itself is overrated because you go on other platforms to stay away from people who are on what you're. So not that's on. why you have the option to toggle it off. Like yes. in, uh, like when I play Street Fighter Five, I switch off the PC option. I don't want to play with Same. them. Same. So But <laughs> like, uh, I'll tell you where it matters. Like Rocket League coming on Switch, I can safely buy it now, and like because I know there are going to be people playing online. Otherwise, you just you can't buy Rocket League for single player. Oh, I mean, you can for local because local play is exclusive to the Switch version. But when games come to Switch and they have crossplay with like the other platforms which already have an install base, it's good for Switch. True. So yeah, this stuff makes sense when you're growing your install base, not when you already are the leader. Exactly. So that's why Sony doesn't need to do anything. But I'm I think uh, 
Minecraft pushing them is someone's going to crack under this pressure. True, but honestly, even even if a crack does happen, I mean, if even if there is some form of brokering, I think it'll end up being where PlayStation Four and PC play together. I don't think it'll be no, with Xbox. No, but you can't play Minecraft without an Xbox Live account, and Microsoft is absolutely not going to have another account system just for Sony. True, but like then they'll take the hit on. Uh, uh whatever sales they're getting just so they can get more monthly active users on the true, other platforms true. that's how they are so uh, and the other stuff he's also said was uh, about this whole exclusive content and all like uh, <laughs> i mean it's hilarious because this year like i said everything except assassin creed origins has a sony marketing deal with exclusive content destiny 2 has like a year exclusivity on a raid a strike and some weapons i think yeah raid strike and gear yeah so yeah I mean, is, it's just last gen repeating basically yeah except it, so the point is yeah and, and what's more is that despite all the marketing deals or lack thereof game performance is probably going to be same across the board because uh, all said and done the only advantages the PS4 Pro and Xbox One X have are on the GPU side so therefore you're not going to see native 4K on a lot of titles unless you know they're first party uh, from or exclusives to other platforms so Yes and you also said this one uh, very strange thing I think oh, I don't know if he said it was a headline in an article I read which was basically that uh, Microsoft did not talk about exclusives because they didn't want to uh, start showing trailers for games that are 3 years away which uh, well I don't know why they got in the situation in in the first place I don't know scale bound maybe yeah <laughs> cuz that was like an and even crackdown 3 I mean like what they showed was so disappointing yep. I can't imagine anyone wanting to pay $60 for that now or 399 in india when it launches yep yeah so. well anyway so whoever buys this console can enjoy forza 7 at least i guess and whoever buys it in gray because as of now it's not coming here yeah yeah all right so uh, there was another controversy massive controversy uh, this rockstar pc modding thing <laughs> so uh, i think rishi you might want so, to brief us on the situation so what happened is rockstar uh, rather 2k went ahead and uh, filed a legal complaint to open open 4 which is a modding platform for GTA games like GTA 4 and GTA 5 it's op- and it's uh, basically you know it's free to use there haven't been a lot of the and the commu- community that's been using it the community that's been using it has uh, essentially self moderated itself and to the point where its creators have ensured that uh, it follows the russian civil code for whatever what that is but uh, according to take 2 is is that uh, they found it in you know uh, against the terms of service against the views of gta and they've basically uh, asked them to cease and desist which they've done mm. now this has created a huge outcry because uh, it just so happens right after that the game got uh, carpet bombed with negative reviews on steam and with good reason because at the end of the day uh, pc gamers felt that uh, they should be getting their support of mods which uh, uh take two things otherwise and it wasn't just uh, op- open for there were other mods which allow menu hacks which have also been uh, you know served legal notices to stop there've been paid mods which allow people to you know circumvent gta online which have been asked to stop and which to which the proceeds the profits and proceeds would apparently now go to charity so there's been a lot of ruckus in that area so basically uh, the reason take two did this is uh a lot of you might not know but GTA online has a lot of custom weapons which are only in the online modes and even custom like modifiers to uh, previous weapons and cars and all like you can do all nearly saints row level superhuman stuff in GTA online 
uh now modders found a way of bringing that stuff into the single player game now what this does is uh this takes away revenue from take two and rockstar because no one will buy their shark cards in game currency to let you buy these weapons and to let you buy in game items in online because uh if you have everything you can access to in online and offline a lot of people won't play so uh the mods were the modders some of them were essentially uh cutting them off of revenue so rockstar obviously got pissed off with this and uh yeah basically what happened and uh, the funny thing is the main open source platform i forget the name i don't think it's this uh, open one v thing i think there was another one which people got really angry about so the creator uh, he should have open sourced the thing before he got the cease and desist what happened is uh, he got a cease and desist before so he can't open source his mod platform yep, now yep. and basically he, like he'll get sued if he does that so now other people also can't work on it in the future and uh, a GTA 5 on PC basically needs an online connection to play you need a rockstar social account to play so basically rockstar can lock you out of your GTA 5 a single player game if they want just with an update so if you've been playing an old version with mods you probably might not be able to play it if they push an update yeah. they probably have by now already but uh, yeah this is a thing like at least on console you don't need to do this but uh, yeah on PC you need a rockstar social club account to play single player as well yeah but at the end of it it also goes to show that you don't mess with a PC audience because it's been downvoted to hell and back I know but like you look at 80 million sales versus I think it's must have hit maximum 7 on Steam true. no 7 on or 10 on PC maximum true true and you know how much work they've done on the PC board like it's a great board they yeah. probably put more work into that than they did into both console versions because it runs I on think like all console versions combined yeah, they and, put and, more work in and it's gone like it's barely sold and rockstar has shown that they don't care about the pc audience and it's like an afterthought even red dead redemption 2 is going to come to pc probably a year or two later when they do a ps5 and xbox 2 or whatever they call it version no so, so and the other thing is stross zelnik who's the ceo of take 2 couple of weeks prior he actually was at some public event where where he said that uh, you know GTA online is doing well the revenues are good but we don't want to nickel and dime our customers into a quick buck and stuff but i mean what the point is the focus yes is to ensure GTA online is a consistent revenue stream and if and if anything does come in the way of that yeah you're going to they're going to knock it down but i still feel that it also that's that that's a thing right you have a massive disconnect between what the pc audience wants and what rockstar and take 2 want uh, think is is right because at the same time we're, we're also forgetting that in the past a lot of the mods which are made on the open for platform were actually endorsed by rockstar in social media and blog posts where they talked about how these mods are so great it's great that the community is doing this they even said several times yeah mods are cool mods are great then you just you can't just do an about face and uh, and you know ban the crap out of stuff that people care about no matter what the revenue so I think it's it's a bit of a crisis here where uh I think it also has to do with the fact that PC gamers are used to a greater level of support. I mean we've seen on one end you have Bethesda you have Bethesda who's you know trying to make sure that mods are paid for that trying to make sure creators get paid and on the other end you have uh, Rockstar and 2K who are like no mods are bad to begin with. So I think PC gamers will have to get used to the fact that the creators are going to want a larger degree of control over what they've created and that might not bode well for future use it's still going to be funny when the steam sale which starts in like a day or two 
like GTA 5 is near the top and they discounted to 50% and all those negative reviews it'll say overwhelmingly negative but people don't care they want GTA 5 mm. so all your angry that no I'm frustrated in my basement I can't mod anymore and all that does not going to work exactly and then even f- funnily enough from an India perspective GTA 5 isn't even the best selling GTA game yeah, GTA 4 it's GTA 4 because, because 499 of, because of the price point it's like 5 times cheaper and, it, and it's the worst version or worst performing version and it has like 5 different DRMs at the same same time and honestly like if i had to choose gun to the head if i had to choose been playing san andreas or gta 4 i take san andreas any day and i take I, san andreas on android <laughs> playing gta 4 so being yeah. there it's actually quite good compared to gta 4 let's not so get yeah. into that but yeah so that that's what it's all about on everything gta at this point in time all righty then i think it's time to talk about something slightly more positive which is io interactive and hitman uh, looks like the future is not as dark as we predicted yeah, so yeah, hit- enter a world of independent development now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, IO Interactive is now independent after being bought by Square Enix, uh, I think uh, almost 10 years ago. They were part of the IDOS deal or something, right? Yes, yeah, so it was a part of the IDOS deal where Sony, where, sorry, where Square Enix bought IDOS and got uh, IO Interactive as a part of it. Well, IO Interactive is no more a part of Square Enix. Uh, what this means is, good news for those of you who liked Hitman, apparently a lot of you did. Where were you when Absolution was getting panned by critics? Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, so now it basically means hit the, we, we should see a second season of Hitman because mm-hmm. uh, IO has uh, successfully negotiated its independence and has access to the Hitman IP. Oh, Square Enix doesn't own anything, which my guess probably means that uh, IO probably the IO and uh, IO and its founders probably raised capital or put on put in their own money to regain independence, which I think must have happened. Which is good in a way because we might finally get the Hitman game we deserve. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, uh, before Hitman came out, there was a lot of confusion on how to be released. The first time around, it was promised to be released in two stages. The first stage having, I think, the first three, four missions and the next one having the next three, four, which is a good, which was a good thing at the time because the peak, the best mission, in my opinion, is Sapienza, which is, I think, the second or third mission, second of, the second mission of the game. And that really hooks you in to continue. Mm. So I have a feeling that uh, with with uh, IO at the helm and IO deciding the fate of the franchise, we might actually see something which is uh, truer to its vision because... Mm. Uh, I don't, I mean, let's be honest, when, when you're releasing an episodic AAA, AAA game, which doesn't have the license or discoverability as Telltale does with a Game of Thrones or a Guardians of the Galaxy, you face diminishing returns with each release. Mm. You're, you're unable to push that much marketing out as you could. So I think it's good to see that uh, IO has, has the reins. And it could mean for a better uh, season two of Hitman. Hopefully, for the love of God, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger like the first season did. Sorry. He was playing for the story. It was hey, like what's up? Literally mm. tacked on. I was playing for in the fact, story. In fact, the online mode felt more integrated than the story in it. <laughs> I was playing for the story okay. and I was disappointed. Why? You didn't like the Marrakesh level? The Marrakesh level is epic. The yeah, Paris le- the I also level. like the Paris level too. But the fact of the matter is you can't give me a hook of this, you know, mysterious... Uh, alt, uh, mysterious rival assassin who's been watching her every move, and you don't give me, you don't give me narrative payback at the end of the season. It is. It was you because you're watching him as you control him. Boom, done. <laughs> you don't need season two. IO Interactive can retire. Oh wow, <laughs> Mike is Christopher Nolan confirmed. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think we should also mention some stuff that we've heard about Shadow of Tomb Raider. Oh yes. Yeah, so more leaked information has made its way to the public domain. 
wherein uh, Shadow or Shadow of the Tomb Raider is actually the real name for the next Tomb Raider game. Again, it's been leaked. Mm. The first time around, someone saw a presentation open on a subway or a metro ride in, in Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. And that's how they thought Shadow of Tomb Raider is a thing. And mm. now concept art has leaked that the game is in development. Um, at the same time, while we did interview uh, Megan Murray, who's community manager for Tomb Raider, uh, she did mention that the next Tomb Raider game will have some form of online connectivity and interaction mm. between users, some form of cooperative mode, which I think would be really cool. But yeah, the latest leaks show off uh, logos, show off concept art, and more or less seal the fate that it's going to be called Shadow of Tomb Raider. So as, as someone who's been following stuff like this a little obsessively of late, it's Assassin's Creed Origins all over again. The whole leak happening before pre-reveals. So I just yeah. hope the game is not a shadow of previous Tomb Raider games. I don't know. I actually liked Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's pretty good. And oh yeah, well played with the puns. But uh, I think Shadow of Tomb Raider, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider was really good. The first Tomb Raider game, uh, Tomb Raider 2013 rather, was also quite fun. Uh, I'm not worried about the quality more than I'm worried about what stupid boneheaded decisions might be made in the name of exclusivity. Mm. Because I think that Rise of the Tomb Raider being exclusive to the Xbox One actually hurt the game more than it helped. Uh, a launch across all platforms at the same time would have done better for the studio and the game. More so when you consider the PS4 version was actually very, very polished when it hit. Mm. So It was yeah. done by Nixus because... Uh, who handle the PC version and they're like Square Enix's porting studio. They just like fix up ports and all. Uh, yeah, I, I I honestly don't think they'll go with uh, Microsoft again. I don't think they'll do a like one year exclusivity again for that because uh, it didn't work out for Titanfall uh, because it harmed how Titanfall 2 was. And yeah. I don't think it's going to work out for Tomb Raider. So, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty then. Finally, we reached the podcast exclusive bit of news. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Rishi, you want to tell us about PlayStation top-up cards coming to India? Okay. So... For the longest time, and for you old-timers listening in, uh, who's prob- who probably, you know, went out and bought a PS3 day one, you're probably, you're probably at that stage wondering, okay, how do I buy games digitally? Uh, you know, credit cards at that time didn't work on PlayStation Network. India PlayStation, uh, PlayStation India wasn't a thing. It only showed up two years later, in around 2009, 2010. Uh, and even then, uh, payment options weren't the greatest. Uh, there's a good chance half the time your, your card would be arbitrarily uh, flagged. And you couldn't use it. And that's happened to a lot of people. Uh, And since then, the community has been up in arms asking, you know, Atindra Bose, who was at that time the Sony India PlayStation head, when India is getting prepaid cards. What's happening with prepaid cards? Uh, The answer at every every stage was, oh, taxation, 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 or trying to figure out taxation. Now, there have been two interesting developments. One, uh, the latest PlayStation 4 bundle, which is available in India, which has Horizon Zero Dawn, Ratchet & Clank, and Drive Club also comes with a three-month PlayStation Plus subscription. The three-month PlayStation Plus subscription comes with an Indian flag on it, meaning that's demarcated for the Indian region, which also means top-up codes exist. And that's something Sony, I've asked Sony about, they haven't, they're obviously not confirming it with me. But the pictures prove it already. I've seen the the cards myself, and yeah, it's it's a legitimate thing. Second thing what's happened is uh, several uh, game retailers have been speaking to me over the course of the last few days. And uh, they've said that Sony's got in touch. Sony's asking, uh, uh, what's the demand going to be for PlayStation credit? What's the demand going to be for PlayStation top-up cards? What's the demand going to be for PlayStation uh, Plus subscriptions? And what, what quantity should we bring of both? 
so they've been uh, finally putting out feelers to the market uh, they're considering it's safe to say they're very they're, they're already considering to bring in uh, PlayStation uh, uh, PlayStation cards and PlayStation X, uh, Plus subscriptions it's just a question of when now uh it will be the thing is what i what, what i what i hope does happen is that it ends up being region locked because it ensures that none of it gets re-exported which is what happened with the microsoft cards for it the still longest does. time and it still does so um this is a thing this is probably going to happen sony obviously have no comment at this stage they aren't replying to emails about this but it's safe to say that this is in the works several retailers have confirmed this uh it's just a matter of time as for pricing, I wouldn't. I, it'll probably be on par with what you pay digitally for a PlayStation Plus subscription. So whatever the price of PlayStation Plus is online, of in rupee currency, is what you'll be paying for for this year. So I'm guessing a year's subscription work would work out around four thousand rupees. Uh, and as for uh, game top-up cards, um, I don't know what the denominations are going to be. Uh, in other regions, they're usually, you know, because of the currency and like $10, $20, $50. So I think Indian equivalencies for that might end up being 4,000 rupees and below because the price of a game in most cases is three, four, nine, nine, or 4,000. So that's a thing. Or they might just do, you know, straight 1,000 thousand uh, rupees, 2,000 and 5,000. I don't know. But point is, this is a thing. This will happen, hopefully. And uh, the fact that Sony's been talking about it quite openly to game retailers who have in turn spoken to me about it, it's uh, hopefully going to be a reality sooner than later. Yep, there you go. The benefits of listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> so I think we should now You know, talk this will be on the site as well. <laughs> it's <laughs> a podcast exclusive. Hi, Phil Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Time. Podcast exclusive. launch exclusive. Podcast launch exclusive. <laughs> yeah. This is what, uh, read slash listen anywhere. That's what, Xbox yeah. plus Windows 10. Gadgets 360. Transition plus Gadgets 360. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty then. So games we've been playing this week, also known as Mike's Weird Games Podcast. It's so, actually like mainstream games this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not going to talk about any Utawa Mono sequel, which is coming the, out in September or whatever. I'll talk about that when I get it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I already finished. No, I've been playing ARMS. Yeah. yeah. Picked it up two days ago and uh, just playing the arcade mode, which is called Grand Prix or whatever. Hold uh, on. How are the motion controls? That's what I really want to know. I'm using it without motion controls. Why? Because... You like, get some like real good exercise and you build muscles and all of that. You know, you, you don't want to do that when you go to Starbucks. Cool. So, so uh, <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> yeah. So it works really well with the Pro Controller. Been playing it a lot in handheld mode. Runs great. Uh, performance seems the same as the, the demo or the global test punch. Uh, so far, I haven't unlocked rank mode yet because you need to finish the arcade mode in difficulty 4 out of 10, I think. And uh, so far, it's like a little difficult. Uh, still only don't like the triple threat or 1v1v1 mode mm. because if two people team up against you, there's like no point. Mm. So uh, let's see how it lasts. If it turns out to be terrible in like two months, we'll just sell it back. But so far, it's fun. Uh, I put in like one hour in a row playing the arcade mode and I had more fun with that than I did with 10 hours of Tekken 7, <laughs> which uh, already threw away into the trash. So uh, <laughs> been playing that. Also got this game called Thumper, which is a rhythm game. It's available on Steam, PS4, and it has VR support on both. Uh, came to Switch with HD Rumble support. Uh, really good uh, Really good, really good use of HD Rumble as well uh, for how the game looks and all. So, yeah, that's basically it. That's all I've been playing. All right. Um, once again, I've had like absolutely zero time to play games. So, the only thing... Oh, I've so you've been playing Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, 
somebody throw him out of the room <laughs> soon soon yeah so uh, only been playing steins gate as usual been getting pretty disgusted by how perverted this daru character is oh super hacker yes yeah, so you need on bananas Ru- yeah. rumor has it his character is based on mike but okay sure. yeah so yeah Which but anyway he mike has a way with ladies and like daru so yeah yeah so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i've uh, been getting pretty disgusted with that but otherwise the story is still keeping me really glued um to the game i love how they have this uh, stupid uh, phone wave name subject to change random microwave thingy yeah it's a, it's a recurring joke which is quite cool and goes yeah. throughout the very end yeah. <laughs> even the most serious parts i must use phone wave blah 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 name subject name to subject to change it's <laughs> really cool it's like man you guys are going all the way with this yeah and um, really love how that like idiotic machine i mean it's like a microwave connected to a phone yeah. that does random things like teleportation and all i'm like what how is this even possible so yeah because of reading steiner <laughs> <laughs> all right srishi what's what have you been playing oh well so been playing a lot of gta 5 on ps4 which is yeah still holding up quite well and it's a little tragic because it just makes me realize that the way games are going in general the way that everyone wants to tack in an online service we're probably not going to get as cool an experience as this in the near future or anytime soon so yeah i've been playing a lot of that uh, overwatch as well so yeah that, that hasn't been changed that hasn't changed and i decided to revisit uh, zelda because of the new expansions that are coming out so mm. yeah that's pretty cool it's going on I still don't think it's more worth more than a seven that I gave it, but yeah, it's still fun. So, <laughs> Mike, I heard you finished the game finally. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I completely forgot yeah, about how that. How can you not talk about that, man? <laughs> Because I've actually like uh, decided to completely. I removed the cartridge, put it back in the shell, or uh, case, put it on my shelf, deleted the reminder to scan Amiibo in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like completely done with it. But yeah. So. Uh, finally finished it uh, final boss was very easy because i've spent way too much time doing side stuff getting all these super weapons and like basically killing all the end game bosses which are tougher than the final boss uh, really good totally worth it uh, can't wait to buy the expansion pass when it comes out end of this month so, yeah. yeah so how many how many hours did you spend 105 for this save file amazing yeah yeah that's, that's almost more than what i put into my first playthrough of gta 5 on ps3 so. yeah. and probably much more than what you did on persona 5 no no no, no, no. Persona, persona 5, 5 is 130 or 140 or something yeah. like that right yeah so no life confirmed exactly <laughs> anyway so yeah that's all we have for this segment of transition and we will see you right after a short break um, to talk about american gods and the handmade tale not seinfeld not seinfeld stay tuned why Welcome back to the pop culture segment of transition and we are going to be talking about American Gods first and then we are going to be talking about another TV show called The Handmaid's Tale. So to talk about American Gods we have our pop culture nerd that is Akhil Arora. Hey everyone. We have a comic relief Gagan Gupta. Comic relief. Wait, <laughs> first of all I thought we were talking about Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wrong podcast. You have podcast. been lied to to yeah. draw to draw you in. Can okay. we talk about Breaking Bad? Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh Methodict Royden <laughs> Thanks PP <laughs> All right no he's not a methodic just clarifying <laughs> yeah just clear the air there Yeah okay and I'm your host uh, Pranay Parab So the only thing I know about American Gods is that it's a novel written by Neil Gaiman and it's a TV show that's currently airing on Amazon Prime Video in India So But enlighten me just finish sharing yeah. yeah yeah so enlighten me about this show I don't know anything Who wants to go Gagan go ahead Okay so American Gods is loosely based around what Neil Gaiman had written like years back it's one of the most popular Neil Gaiman novels out there and I guess after 
His most popular one would be Sandman and probably uh, Anansi Boys after that. Fun and, fact, it's actually the highest rated on Goodreads. But anyway, go but on. But probably because it has a TV show right now. Anansi Boys is yeah, pretty much on the same level. That could be a factor. True. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing is that the show differs quite a lot from the actual novel because uh, they have taken a few liberties. They have updated a few points about the novel. They've uh, got a new media out there. They've like... They made it a little more current and more relevant. So that makes a lot of sense, I guess, for the times right now. And it is refreshing to watch it in this new form years after I've read the novel. Hmm. So I, I think it's a really, really good step from them. But it does have a few uh, negative points as well. Which, which we'll guess, get to. Which we'll get to. But yeah, first of all, let's talk about what we like about the show. So, so yeah, I think... Uh, if you read the book and what they've actually managed to uh, put on screen, they, I think they've done a very good job in terms of the way they've showcased uh, the dream sequences and the other the stuff that happens because it's described. Uh, it's it's not quite it's not an easy thing to sort of uh, portray on screen yeah. to, to convert it directly from text to uh, screen. And yeah. I think they've done a pretty good job uh, in showcasing uh, those aspects. Yeah, the introductions have been quite vivid and quite nice as in like when they start the whole show with that old Yeah, I think it's the, sequence. the intro is really, really cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. About how these other cultures are coming to America and what happened like along the way, what happened to their gods, the what the, the meaning of gods, how it changed along the way. It, I think they've done a pretty good job about that. Yeah. But there are a lot of things that have still been left a bit unexplained which i guess they're going to get to in the future seasons but overall what do you think about the gods in the show so uh before i get to the gods part um i want to talk about the visuals again because yeah. that's why i feel like uh it's really important and it's really great that we have brian fuller of hannibal on the show because he has this he brings the sense of visual like aesthetic which he you know perfected on that show so even though people were really disappointed hannibal ending last year we sort of, it's good that he sort of got something, you know, similar in that fashion, which is why I feel like that was a big factor because the show failed on HBO. So because before Stars, HBO had it for three, four years in development with Neil Gaiman and they mm -hmm. didn't know how to do it. They had like multiple rewrites and ultimately they just gave up. They couldn't get a script in. But because now they have Fuller as the showrunner and who's able to drive these visuals and, you know, so you can tell how much prepared, preparation goes into getting those visuals right like so a small moment like in the finale when you know uh, it goes from she's bilkos is standing in the hospital room and you have that uh lifeline thing on the monitor and we from that we directly transition to the road thing yeah and we so that those kind of those small small flourishes is what the show is about right yeah it really makes sure that everything connects into everything and that shows you like how much how much work must have gone into making sure uh, in pre-production and getting all those uh, things right. Yeah, I, I like I, the like you mentioned. Like the the scenes really flow pretty seamlessly from one to the other. There's no like yeah. abrupt sh change or shift uh, in it. Uh, and that's a big deal considering how many different time eras they're kind of putting yeah. together in one show. They got the 70s in one. They got ancient Egypt. They started the show again with the Norse mythology, yeah. and they've inserted some other mythology also with complete CG characters. It's amazing how they actually managed to blend it all together and keep the tone exactly the same, keep the flow going as well. Yeah, because it is really tough. Like imagine, like it's. That's what's weird about it, right? Like every episode you expect a normal TV show to just pick up where it leaves off with the main story. Well, American Gods just surprises you and next will take you on a journey and be like, okay, this is where we're, what we're doing now, I guess. And it's not like they do it for like three, four minutes, you know, like sometimes some shows will have an aside just to like, you know, have a sort of a flashback moment or to sort of explain something. They do it for like 15 
20 minutes yeah. at the start of the show. Yeah. So basically, yeah. for like the entire show, you, the entire beginning, you were like, okay, what is happening? Is this the show today? Because yeah. that happens, right? In the seventh yeah, episode yeah. with Matt Sweeney, that turned out to be the entire episode. Yeah. We were like, okay, they're going to come back now. They're going to come back now. But the moments that are actually spent in the our timeline versus the moments that are spent in the old timeline was like so much out of weight normally. But that Matt Sweeney story was actually an entire chapter in the book. So though I didn't expect them to take up a whole episode with that, they really did. But so doing that so early in the series, like in the first season itself, doesn't it come across like a bit of padding? It does because I mean, if you if you read the books and I'm like about seventy percent there, yeah, uh, the first season barely covers like one fourth of the book. Yeah, it's like, exactly. You know, it barely got and started with it. Yeah, so there's still like a lot, of, and uh, I'm guessing, and there there is a lot to show as well, and it definitely seems like it's padded because if they would have run through it, they would have probably gotten through like halfway through the book in the first season, and I'm guessing they want to stretch it out for multiple seasons. Yeah, so rather than creating new uh, stories for the future season. I'm guessing they're deliberately sort of, you know, taking their time. So they have uh, things to uh, take from the book and they are not, they don't exhaust stories from the book mm. from the first season itself. Yeah. Which is why like this, this is what makes it so different from the other show we're going to talk about later, Handmaid's Tale, yeah. which is this first season finishes where sort of the book ends. But we'll get to that, get to that later. But in terms okay. of padding, I do feel... Some of them has been warranted, like the Matt Sweeney one. Sort of, I really enjoyed some parts of it because yeah, yeah. Because of the first few episodes when Sweeney appears, you just like sort of frustrated with him. You're like, okay, what is he doing here? What is his you know role? And which is why giving him an entire episode sort of lets him build as a character, right? So now when whenever we see Matt Sweeney in second season, we we are attached to him in a much higher degree than we otherwise would be. Yeah, and clearly he's he des- definitely has a much bigger role to play because they did spend a whole episode building right. his character. Exactly. And uh, since I'm currently in the process of reading the book, I also particularly enjoy that episode because a lot of the scenes and even the dialogues were like lifted straight from the book. Yeah. So as you're yeah. watching it, you sort of like, you know, make that connection. I had the same reaction with the uh, Salim mm. and Jin scene in the cab in the wing. Because that was yeah. like straight yeah. from the book as from well. The book. Yeah, like, All the, the dialogues book. and everybody were like, the, that's the thing, like they've, they have in the places that are actually important, which, you know, readers really love from the book. Yeah. They've kept them to a faithful adaptation. Yeah. But they've b- bold enough to not, not to venture when they need to, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually so relevant because, you know, considering the state of America right now, like so many cultures are all together and they've got their own history, how the Chinese entered America, how Indians have been entering America and every other culture out there. So it kind of brings it all together and makes them all so American. I guess that's why the whole term American gods kind of stands relevant, even though you have gods from around the world in this one scenario. And to think about it, there's no real American god as such. I mean, all the gods that they've been worshipping, I mean, all the gods that are there, that form a religion out there are from different cultures. I mean, America itself probably doesn't have something of its own unless you go way back to Native Americans. But that that's the thing. So it, it kind of makes this whole thing so relevant and even brings the new gods into such a nice perspective yeah. because the new gods are actually what the real yeah. American gods are. The I think media. that really hits at what like the makes the book right the, yeah they, i mean on the surface it's a tale about a war brewing between old and new gods but that's not what it really is, is about it's a, about the tale of the american identity which is what gaiman is trying to find out which is why yeah. even though the you know as you said before before this podcast that the parts of lakeside which are being explored in season two and season three are yeah. quite boring but those parts really hit home at what the you know american identity is about and that's why it makes the show so exciting because it's i mean if it's just a fantasy tale about gods brewing 
Yeah. You could just see Vikings and, you know, and which is why nobody talks about that after seeing the episode because yeah. it's, it's just about gore and violence. But this show does more than that. It draws you in with its gore and violence and sex yeah. and then has an actual story to tell behind it. Speaking of which, it's kind of bold entirely, right? I mean, because they're showing so much sex related to gods, they've shown Jesus in so many avatars in this last episode. And they are pretty much being open about what particularly makes a god and what makes a god weak. Yeah. But at the same time, they have to be very careful, right? About the way they to- tackle certain other gods. I'm sure they cannot be so open with every other religion out there because of the kind of feedback they're going to get. Like, for example, we haven't seen anything about the Indian god so far. Obviously, they haven't reached that part yeah. of the book yet. But I'm really kind of trying to figure out how will they tackle something like Kali without offending the like so, so many... Uh, sensitive issues that come with <laughs> well, Indian gods. I, I think that's the reason we have two versions. On yeah. That's the reason we have two versions. But yeah. The good thing is that Finally Stars is a, the, the show is being made in America by yeah. American people. Yeah. So we, even though it, as the show exists, obviously it will not have any issues. But I'm pretty sure when it airs in India, it will be heavily redacted if yeah. they portray, as we know, Kalima in a fashion that is not suitable for India. They yeah. even censored the word cow in that uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so, censored so badly because like exactly. in that sense, it, in that pe- one minute period, two characters mention cow or cow killing like multiple times and it's censored half the times and it's not censored half the times. So like, what are you doing? The Amazon? whole censorship is very badly tackled over here because like female genitalia and like uh, upper body nud- uh, nudity is completely shown out there. But male genitalia, genitalia oh no, you cannot see that. <laughs> yeah, but that's that in censored. line with Japanese culture as well. It's not just in India where... Uh, no, in know. Japanese culture, even female genitalia is completely censored. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know that yeah. for unknown reasons. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Trust me on that. Yeah. <laughs> But even in America, you have that, right? You can't show a male um, body parts completely no, because it ha- becomes X-rated if you do that. No, they no, have, not, it's, they it's have standards on that. They can show male genitalia, but they cannot show the male organ in its erect form. They can uh-huh. show it flat. That's why, so hmm. you haven't seen, seen the show, like I'm guessing all the episodes in that fashion. But so one of the episodes where the Jin one appears, yeah. they weren't allowed. So like they, so the only guideline from stars was you can't show an erect penis. Exactly. Yeah. Even in Game of Thrones, you might see a lot of... Uh, even in Game of Thrones, you might see a lot of uh, male genitalia, but it'll never be in erect form. So that's that's a censorship. Yeah, because what the guideline was, as I forgot, was uh, you cannot show. It can be semi-pornographical. It cannot be resemble pornography directly. Exactly. That's why. Yeah, so I guess they have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, but Amazon Prime Video censorship has known has been known to be like pretty awful, to oh, be honest. Terrible. Yeah, I mean we've seen that Top Gear episode, In, uh, right, which was totally no, uh, was not Top Gear, Grand Tour, Grand Tour, Grand Tour yeah. yeah, it's totally like cut yeah, off. Yeah, they basically minutes. chopped off an entire segment. Forget. Yeah, like uh, we lost half an hour. Yeah. Of an one-hour show. So yeah. have you seen anything like that in American Gods, or is it just like two, three minutes here and there cut out? No, yeah, it's, just, so it's just been like blurring and like stuff, even like the cow killing thing because there's no actual scene. With Grand Tour, obviously, the problem was they were using the innards of the cow to like <laughs> on the car and everywhere, Yuck. which was sort of quite disgusting considering all yeah. the maggots that were flying around. Yeah, if you saw the uncensored version. Yeah. The good thing is at least Amazon India is giving you an international release right. so that if you want yeah. to watch the show uncensored, you can do that. They didn't give that with the Grand Tour. They haven't given that with any other show I know of. But at least you have that option with yeah, them. So this is something cross. that's come out of like, so when been, I've been talking to the Amazon PR They've been telling me that so because there was so much backlash for, you know, how they approach censorship Hmm. when they launched in December, they're slowly sort of trying out new methods. And this is one of the things they've come up to, which apparently they said has been tried in Germany as well, which I'm not sure. I've never heard about censorship in Germany, so I'm guessing it's a thing. 
so where they've tried these dual you know release methods and they're going to do that going forward so maybe grand 2 if they do it do it again yeah. we'll get like two versions of it well that as long sense. as they have they, they give us a choice i'm i'm okay with it i mean yeah yeah and i guess censorship is pretty badly tackled in india in general look at the television censorship like yeah, every, you don't even have an option there every other word is blocked out and you have no idea what they're trying to say in most sitcoms and these sitcoms are pretty family friendly honestly i mean like they probably at the most say some like they mention a body part every now and then and even that will be censored yeah. words like butt will be censored yeah sometimes. i don't get it that they even crazy. have examples where basically somebody has just done a control f find and replace uh, and they've just looked for the word sex and just replaced it with uh, three asterisks and you know what sometimes when it's like uh, what is the sex of the child that se- that part is that <laughs> sex is also censored that's the thing and sometimes yeah. it's weird because they'll say the word and it will be uh, censored in the subtitles yeah. or, or the other way around yeah. yeah so like so instead of saying someone can't say ass it'll say butt in the subtitles yeah, yeah. even the character yeah. says ass so it's like what it's just ridiculous man i mean in like, a way like which is why it's good right that we have streaming services in india now so we don't have to really i mean obviously netflix is the gold standard here uh, partly because they don't i'm guessing they don't they don't centrally established in india yet so they don't have to deal with these yeah. uh, awful regulations yeah, but obviously yeah. then hotstar is next and amazon is at the bottom of this list right now yeah so rodin you were talking about the international release of that of american gods right yeah. how easy or hard is it to access on amazon prime so video? i mean uh, i think if you add it to your watch list there's something called watch list on amazon prime so if you add it to your watch list uh, it does still remain when you open up the home page okay. like it it will show you that international release at least that's what i felt but i think if you like uh, yeah so i didn't add it to my list because right? amazon doesn't have profiles right right yeah. Yeah. so mm-hmm. everyone in my family uses the same <laughs> amazon account so i don't want to add something which they're not going to see True. which is why i didn't add it so like what happened was if i see the say i see an episode from the international version yeah. it it won't tell, give suggest those again when in the next week and the new episode comes yeah so i think i think to first of all find it if you're f- just watching it right now you just search for it and you immediately see two right. versions and just add two. the international version to your watch list and i think that the that version will stick uh, every time you open the page yeah that's not too bad is it it's, is it? Yeah. it's actually it? quite easy yeah so getting back to the show the, yeah, the more yeah. important so, thing so i mean like what do you think i mean like are you excited about the next season and what do you think do you think it'll go on till season 7 8 by the pace it's going to so i'm pretty excited just to see which direction they are going in because clearly they are uh, swerving quite away from uh, the book like the finale itself was nothing of that sort of happens in the book yeah man, that whole like odin reveal was so the reveal was so completely cheesy. lame the cg was so bad yeah. it looks so corny it and probably exhausted you exhausted know, all the budget in the previous episode yeah so i'm i'm curious to know uh, where they go in with in the second season actually yeah i mean i'm excited to see how they represent the other gods that they're going to meet yeah and because clearly from what they've shown uh, they uh, the main character wednesday he clearly shows off his actual power and there's absolutely no response from the new gods like they just stand there like you know with their head but you remember the down. slow motion scene where like uh, media's hat flies off it was such a bollywood moment yeah like the way cuz the way it was shot and the way like jiran alas reacted to that we was like yeah. okay did, did we not have another take of this yeah <laughs> So what about a passer or not in the book like the previous episode that whole gun city that they had Yeah even that was kind of Balkan Balkan I mean that yeah. also came out of nowhere and like as I was as I was watching and trying to piece together uh, where I've read this character maybe I have not yet come across this character but clearly that character wasn't in the book yeah, but at the same time it is human. kind of relevant uh, I'm I I I can understand why they added that in given the current uh, gun culture that's going on Yeah and everything so it 
in the uh, looking at the current scenario i can un- understand why they put that in and had a god for that yeah uh, but yeah that, again that wasn't in the book see for someone who's read the book way back and i really don't remember it as clearly as i should probably but the thing is this whole vulcan episode it seemed quite nice it seemed like a good insert for me mm. that story was relevant it gives odin a good sword that way mm. and yeah the in the end what he does to the vulcan <laughs> god was pretty awesome honestly it's something i've been it's quite convenient how these people gods can carry everything they want cuz like the in the finale the sword just basically comes out of his pocket yeah, yeah. and it is like giant like okay where were you hiding that yeah yeah <laughs> You can carry whatever you want. I mean, he's a god, man. Don't question gods. Exactly. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. So, so, what was your favorite uh, cast member or god so far? Well, and it, worse, it definitely was not Shadow Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially the last one. I don't know what happened to the dialogue, but the entire last finale just seemed very rushed and like they were like forced to do that finale. Like nobody seemed interested in. See, frankly, the Shadow Moon, the guy who's playing Shadow Moon, I forgot his name, but he's he just seems a little too charming to be the character from the book. The guy in the book was this no nonsense, gritty guy who just wanted to get back home and not deal with the rest of the world and uh, to begin with, and he just the, all he wanted was to spend some time alone at home with Lara. Yeah, that's it. This guy seems a little too charming for that. He seems to be too like a worldly guy for someone like shadow moon and plus he's constantly just amazed at like whoa did i see that i don't know what's happening <laughs> i think that's a, that was one of the biggest problems for me as well is that um i don't know if i had this problem with the book but i had this problem with the show at least is that beyond the first episode the audience is always seeing more than shadow right yeah so in most any in any fiction program you relate with a character because you are with him or with her on the journey so they they know as much as you know and you know as much as they know and when they experience something new you experience something new but because yeah. we're getting all these long winded uh, excursions into our, our other gods which has, shadow hasn't seen at all yeah. we know so much more than him right yeah. which yeah. means when shadow ha- actually has a reaction to something we don't m- meet with him because we like okay but we already knew this like what are you yeah. what are you reacting to i had this reaction 3 episodes ago like so, i don't relate with you at all i'm sorry that's the thing even that moment with sarnobog in which uh, he challenges him again to the game yeah. like uh, so that if he can win like uh, sarnobog will join their whatever their war the it in the book when i read that part it felt more like some guy who's got nothing to lose and he's going to take one last shot and see if he can get this god recruited hmm. in the show it seemed the other way around it's, in the show it came across like he's more of a player Like yeah. okay, I'm gonna hustle you for this one. I mean, it just didn't have the same vibe. And plus, because TV is so interested in doing cliffhangers, I feel like these small moments get played for too much. Like yeah. we were, we were. I mean, so people who haven't read the book were waiting on that moment for an entire week. Yeah. But if you're reading the book, that's basically the next line. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so that's that's it. So that's what he says. Like, yeah. New match, and you're like, what? Like no, you made, but you, I, I you think made me wait an entire episode for a new match. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think the part where you're talking about where you. it came across as if he's a hustler but that's i think because that's how his character is in the show he yeah. if you remember yeah, the yeah, casino, the yeah, whole casino actually. thing the reason why he goes to prison in the first place yeah it's not in the book so yeah. that is again made up uh, for the tv for tv yeah that makes sense the whole laura's pass about casino yeah. and everything yeah it does and speaking of, of laura I, i think even she's a second <laughs> character who's like really annoying i don't think emily browning was like the best choice yeah. for that role there are a lot of weird choices associated with her first of all her like emily browning being laura and secondly her being repeated in that uh, like uh, mad sweeney episode yeah the flashback one the flashback one like yeah. what why why is she there for this <laughs> 
so we talked about this before the yeah. episode right so like the reason uh i thought like that happened is because uh most gods have lived for like multiple centuries right yeah so in that case matt sweeney is thinking of that moment while he's driving with dora yeah so sort of attaching that face to her because he's probably forgotten what se mcgowan's actual face looked like maybe that is a possibility yeah think of his as yeah i guess that kind of makes sense in the narrative and which is why yeah. it sort of has a much heavier connection so instead of say had they used yeah. another actress yeah. instead of uh, emily browning there the connect we would have had when he gets his coin out of her and he walks back to her wouldn't be that much stronger i feel like yeah mm-hmm. yeah i guess that makes sense i mean over there i can see that point but yeah generally whenever i see her beat people up and all with her new super strength and all, that part is good i mean like it's that is done well Cool. Come let's on, close with everyone's favorite or worst god. And will you be watching season two? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I'm definitely watching season two. I mean, I'm invested in this right <laughs> now. And secondly, my favorite person—it's a tie between uh, Wednesday and Media. I absolutely love uh, Gillian Anderson and what she's done with that role of Media. She's 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 such a chameleon, man. I mean, like, you can put her in any role and she'll do a good job of it. Yeah. And as Media, they're ju- doing full justice to her. As an actress, that scene with like her becoming turned into Ziggy Stardust was amazing. Yeah, Ziggy Stardust, Marilyn Monroe, then Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. crazy, man. I mean, like she and she just took all those roles so well. I, I absolutely love that. Right in. Yeah, I think even I would go with uh, Gillian Anderson as the media god. Uh, worst god, I'm not really sure. I think. I don't think I really have like a worse god. I mean, they're all yeah. I I don't have a worse god till now. Yeah, man, so. don't offend the gods. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, no surprise, I'm media people selecting media <laughs> god. Wow, yeah. And I think the reason like we all love media, which like includes me as well, is because Gillian Anderson is so amazing, as Gagan just said, right? Because she like really goes into that character and she's bringing alive uh, characters in in p- so many ways which are not even existent. So in, in Ziggy Stardust, we don't have David Bowie anymore. Sorry, any thanks. Uh, sadly, uh, then we don't have uh, Lucy. Like we haven't seen yeah. that show in like so many decades. Yeah. Uh, then uh, in the finale, I don't know how many people noticed, but that was actually Judy Garland from Easter Paradise. I was actually trying to place her. I had no yeah, idea so that was what the, her character uh, is. This is such an old music. Mm. That's a 1948 film. Like most people are not going to realize that, especially huh. people who are watching it for the golden violence, who are mostly like teenagers, yeah. you know, the audience. and so which is why like she really inhabits the roles and she like which is why she excels i was expecting much more from technical boy but the reason i i guess i find him uh, good is because the it's it's hard to play an angsty teenager when you've grown out of that role right hmm. and bruce langley's not a teenager he's an adult yeah. and he really gets you that you really hate him that you really feel like he's a annoying teenager you like can you please shut up yeah. you please go sit in the corner you're a white privileged kid go sit in the corner yeah yeah and the fact that he's able to he give that feeling very well yeah shows that bruce is a pretty good actor for that actor, yeah. yeah yeah what about mr world i mean like i guess we all neutral on him because we haven't seen enough of yeah, him yeah we haven't probably yeah. seen enough although i'm really excited to see in season 2 more than lakeside i'm more excited to see how they do with kalima Yeah. I I really hope they give it extended you know sort of look the way they have given previous gods. Yeah. Exactly. I'm actually looking forward to seeing that and seeing how people Hopefully react to be, that. Hopefully we we won't be relegated as we are mostly in other Asian roles. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm actually hoping they do the carousel scene though where they actually Oh that's that. yeah. that's going to happen. I really hope they do that. Yeah. Uh, I hope that's going to happen. I do want to hear the tale about the tiger as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all right then. I think uh, it's time to wrap up this segment and talk about the handmade tale. So yeah. 
Okay then so handmade sale i think we discussed this in a previous episode of the podcast that was about i think 10 episodes ago yeah <laughs> way now. back yeah so when the show started with the three episodes yeah with the first three episodes before the show started yeah yeah so we we'd gotten early access to the uh, to all those three episodes at that time now the handmade sale is over and for those who don't know i'll just give a quick a recap of the show it's a dystopian tale set in the future and sometime in america where america is split into various uh, different countries um, one of them is called the republic of gilead gilead, gilead. gilead. yeah gilead uh, where this tale is taking place so over here the situation has changed drastically fertility levels have dropped for some reason there has been some kind of a chemical war or something happening or like a nuclear attack we don't really know for sure so in this uh, situation there are a bunch of women called handmaids whose job is to uh, basically um, basically mate with high ranking officers in the community known as commanders and try to have babies so that the population can grow so in this scenario like that's that's where the show is set and uh, the protagonist um, the woman is actually somebody who has a baby uh, before this whole uh, war thing happened and, and right husband. yeah hmm? and a husband yeah and a husband so before this whole thing happened um, they were actually kind of uh together and they were really happy but uh, before the war happened they had a child and then the child was taken away from her so the first season of handmaid's tale is pretty much that like uh, looking at that woman and her memories of her family and how she tries to get back to them yeah. so yeah uh, first three episodes were cool uh, what did you think of the pacing of the re- re- remaining episodes akhil i d- frankly didn't have a problem with the pacing uh, i think rodan feels differently about the middle episodes some of them yeah uh but because I don't know I I really enjoy the longer format that TV gives these days especially to prestige dramas which don't take 24 episodes episodes thankfully but they do a lot with the 10 episodes and because they were written so well each episode had a theme uh, and the way to like construct it around it you know some of them work I think one of them was called birth and so they basically contrast that with Janine's uh, baby ha- taking place in Gilead and her Alfred's baby taking place in the past so because those these were done properly well uh every episode revolved on a certain theme i didn't have a problem with that so you know what um, this janine is actually that off foreign off foreign yeah. isn't she yeah. and then she becomes off daniel right off daniel. Yeah, that yeah. so that's what this naming thing really confuses me a lot because <laughs> every character every woman yeah. like handmade has like a real name and then a name of the commander which she yeah, is so with? basically yeah. if she's uh, if she's been assigned to somebody called uh, fred, fred so she becomes off fred so yeah. that's why off so you're off whatever your commanding officer's first name is yeah exactly and although then, in offred's case it's also a pun on the word offered yeah which it, is what atwood intended yep, yep. so yeah. she was offered to offered. the family yeah yeah and then there's that one woman who's basically um, arrested on charges of being gay so they call her call it what gender treason and yeah. Uh, think, yeah. then she wakes up somewhere and suddenly you find out that okay uh, this name is her name is not offle and it's actually emily yeah. so you know this n- naming thing was really confusing for me throughout the show what confused me more than that was when she came back like so what happened with the surgery yeah does she still have her vagina and she no she, she does she children? does my understanding was that it was like a female genital m- mutilation oh, okay. surgery thing that's so, how they describe it at least yeah yes. but we, yeah so did i think she can at some moment did i miss that I feel like I they didn't ever actually no, mention no, what they did the to her. Not in the show directly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I don't Instead think they directly mentioned it, but you're supposed to infer it based on right. the things they say. Because okay. in this in this uh, uh, 
uh, in this full show i realized that they don't explicitly mention these details so many of these things are kind of like um, they they do a bit of beating around the bush and try to say things in a nicer way right. so they don't explicitly mention that this yeah. is what it is but they do say something like uh, you will still be able to have babies but the, i mean you won't experience any pleasure or something to that effect right okay so which is i mean just why i inferred that 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 surgery was horrible yeah makes sense yeah so that happened and uh, i mean it was quite traumatic for, for me to watch that whole sequence where, where the scene before happens. when they they're driving away from the hanging was just like yeah some of the scenes are very uh, like disturbing yeah. inducing yeah and especially if you care about things like women's rights which yeah. all of us do uh, it's actually very hard to watch and this i mean the sad bit is that this is that this is going on in some countries right now yeah and it's going on in india probably yeah, yeah in some parts of india i mean people are experiencing these kinds of things and it's just horrible but i think that the no, reason it's hor- so- sorry no, no. Uh, the reason it's horrifi- so horrifying for the uh, american public to uh, take this in is because this is so much more drastic than what they think this society is right but yeah. for us we we already have some of these ills and evils in our society so for us it's a little close to home which is why in that sense it's horrifying yeah and also i think they've uh, sh- showcased that and portrayed that really well like uh, the acting is also top notch and the way they've directed it and the music the soundtrack and everything is done like you really really feel bad for them and you like you know you really want them to escape out of that yeah so you know, now that you mentioned acting i yeah. should mention aunt lydia's acting in yeah. particular so there was this one scene i think in the ninth episode where uh, that Janine of Daniel of she's standing uh, on the bridge yeah she's yeah. standing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's just that, that is one part and secondly she's just introducing her to the new house right, right. Uh, so she's just standing on the porch and uh, this of Daniel now is yeah. tra- go walking towards the house and aunt lydia's face there is that tiny expression of she knows that this girl is in deep trouble um, but you know like it's just that one blink of an eye and then you miss it type thing so that it's almost like one of those things like, you know and i mean i have never obviously experienced it myself and i won't in my ever my life but it's almost like a parent sort of you know or a mother sort of sending her child away it's almost mm. like a moment yeah. yeah and just the way they've like captured these minor expressions shows that there's been a lot of attention to detail yeah. to acting in this show especially because this is not the kind of show where you can go totally mental with the visuals and show like great color and all yeah. if you notice the dystopian feel they've uh, done a lot in post processing yeah. uh, what they've done is they've done this color grading thing where yeah. every shot is like slightly yellow slightly, slightly green. green because it yeah. yeah it takes away the sort of the emotion and makes it feel like distant sort of yeah so it's like a very dull feel throughout yeah. the show like there's it's no very different from the show we just talked about yeah uh so <laughs> yeah, so that that's one of one of the like uh, highlights of the show as far as i'm concerned from a visual standpoint even though everything is dull it still looks great uh, because it you know reflects the theme quite well and also it shows that they've been really working with the author very closely yeah so another thing i'd like to call out here mm. is the costumes uh, yeah the green costume uh, when which uh, these commanders wives wear when they just walk around in public Uh, and then how starkly it contrasts with the red costume yeah. for the handmaids so yeah any other um, costumes that you guys noticed which you thought were like really appropriate thomas like you know speaking of the costumes like you know the way the marthas are given such dull colors mm. they almost like blend into the background right yeah. and that's what they that's what the show what is trying to convey they yeah. want us to feel that marthas are invisible to the household mm. like they're doing yeah. all the work yeah but, but they don't really matter yeah they don't really matter yeah. as does most women not matter in the show actually yeah yeah okay so we should also mention some um, like connections with the book uh, first of all when we spoke last i think we said that in three episodes itself they've covered about 70% <laughs> of the book yeah. but then i think uh, through the end of the season i think they only reached the end of the book with some new elements added some yeah. new plot lines created right so a lot of new plot lines cuz like they've in the book because it's 
just Offred's tale, right? Yeah. It's, it's called yeah. The Handmaid's Tale because mm-hmm. it's literally Offred writing sort of her memoir mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. It's not like a fly on the wall retelling. You know, mm-hmm. we don't experience everything in the household. We just experience Offred's point of view. But yeah. here, we get to see everyone's point of view. We get to see Nick's past. We get to see Serena Joy's past. Uh, I think we did we say, see Off Glenn's past as well? No, we. I think we. Mm. We saw so we saw Moira's past. We didn't see Off Glenn's past. Yeah, yeah. No Off Glenn. Yeah. So also, I mean, in the uh, spoiler alert, really sorry. I mean, but yeah, that's yeah. sort of obvious. <laughs> You've gotten to this point. Yeah. So in the book, Nick is not one of the spy eye people, uh, mm. but in this, they've made him one. They've made those. him the eye. Yeah. Yeah. So that that kind of changes some of the things that happen in the book, uh, because e- e- um, even in the book, uh, Nick has sex with um, what's her name of. Fred, Fred yeah. yeah yeah with Alfred um but you know this is more like uh, just because yeah convenience or whatever uh, it's not like yeah it's more like repress yeah. urges like i mean yeah. you look at the society yeah but in in this it's more like uh, yeah she's uh, this guy is one of the eyes and you know they're basically making uh, mad passionate love or whatever it is and then like of course she has a heartbreak later on in the show as well right so that and i don't think none of any of that is there in the book per no se. and also yeah. because i feel like the book is much more distant and passive in a way right offred is things happen to offred yeah. she she is unable to take any command because atwood wants to convey that you know feeling of not being in co- control at all like just she's in a society which is like just doing things to her but because this is a tv show and she spoke about this in an interview the author is that you know tv has to be characters have to be more active in general they cannot mm-hmm. be that passive otherwise you won't relate with them yeah. which is why i feel you know uh, both gagan and uh, rodden did not like shadow moon because He's quite passive in that show. He's not. I mean, he's more of just present, right? He's just like he's with Wednesday, and yeah. Wednesday is taking him on this journey. But in this case, they've given uh, Offred a lot more activeness, which is why it shows in the finale, right? The, that would never fit in this book. But the, when <laughs> no when she you no know, just like yeah. refuses to stone Janine because yeah. the book is the way the characters told you that would not fit in with the characters, you know, mental view on world. Yeah. But here it d- does fit because we have seen earlier she doing similar things. Yeah. So in the book the Offred of the book would actually have done the stoning but she may not have been the first one to yeah. h- like throw the stone she'd have just followed somebody else who's like really angry and doing the stoning. So yeah. Anyway, so um Royden I believe you had some complaints with the pacing of the show right uh, through it. Uh, I mean middle. yeah the pacing was good. I just just the flashbacks got a little bit much for me. Like I wanted the story to move on and like you know sort of see what happens uh like i think that's just the flashbacks in some like the first three episodes that we saw the flashbacks are kind of okay because we still don't know what was happening uh, mm. happening or how what events led to this uh, sort of dystopian future so in initially it was fine i guess just some uh, elements where they were showing i think nick's uh, past or something was certain points were a little boring for me yeah but yeah. i thought that uh, partly that happened because they were expanding on certain things in the novel and laying some of the seeds for um, stuff to happen in the yeah. f- future Probably. seasons yeah. and plus yeah. it also sets up more up a bigger or more sort of a conflict in the way right hmm. because if now that we've seen nick and sarina joy's past hmm. and then we see, see them doing something else like like we see nick you know uh, crouching and like just like hugging her at the dining table hmm. or we see sarina joy go out of her way to torment offred by showing her child while she's stuck in the van yeah. those have a bigger impact now because we know these characters how they were in the past mm. sarina joy was a embracing woman she wrote, wrote a novel yeah. which is what like that was the irony right we made by the mexican ambassador that now <laughs> no one can read your novel including you yeah. and th- th- that really like plays into cuz now that we know these characters how they were before which i feel like was missing from the book right cuz mm. we didn't feel that and so this will eventually 
help the show enrich in ways the book could never reach yeah so in the book the uh, just serena joy is just basically some kind of a choir singer and uh, she has does not she does not have any published novel or anything at all so her personality is basically just this person who is um who tormenting and smokes and sits in the garden yeah and torments offered yeah, uh, every yeah. possible opportunity and i don't think she has anything going on with nick either in, no. in the book so yeah mm. the only thing that happens is that she has this arrangement with nick where she sends offered to nick that's yeah. all other than that this whole point was not expanded upon and at all she was never like central to founding gilead which she mm. is here right yeah. in the show the character is again which is i guess is a part of the active passive thing yeah yeah and also the i mean the whole mexican ambassador thing was also like a new addition yeah. to this which i feel like yeah. was really nice because it sort of shows how the rest of the world would react right because yeah. you're really interested in how i mean how can this exist in isolation correct other countries you mean if you're going to continue to function which gilead really wants and which is a much bigger country now yeah. in the book we you know aren't told but i assume that gilead was st- the state of new england but here clearly in the first episode itself they tell us that gilead is the entire land yeah. of america except alaska and hawaii yeah so that shows that this country is huge and it needs resources to to function which means it needs trade which mm. is why when these people come you na- naturally assume they will be trading goods and which is why it's so horrifying when you realize they want to trade handmaids yeah that's true so in the book they have these japanese tourists visiting yeah. but nothing from like neighboring countries I actually which is kind of that odd. remember yeah. the episode where they mention i mean just before the mexican comes they mention you know we're going to have guests soon yeah, so and i was I like said, oh god we can have japanese tourists i yeah. don't know how i have no idea how this fits in the show yeah so then that's what na they had to show some kind of a neighbor trade situation yeah. happening and ultimately what they were to- weren't they talking about trading handmaids uh that was my inference in one of the parts yeah so they were talking yeah, about training yeah. so which is why she's so scared of her because she feels like she's going to go even further from her child yeah exactly so she and now um, that she knows where yeah she wants to go north but she'll have to go south that's what she was thinking yeah. right yeah so yeah well anyway so akhil you want to talk about the soundtrack uh, because i don't think we so mentioned Ryan that so rodin said he loved loved the soundtrack for so did you you mean the the songs that they played in the background or the choices of the the instruments oh like, i think i think the choice of the instruments like okay, the right. the, the, like, the problems I, i had were with like the soundtrack pressure which you know that comes in the end of the show yeah. the at least for the first three four episodes they followed that they haven't done that uh, for every episode after that mm. but i felt those were not really in attachment with what the show was conveying because we had this dystopia detached feeling as we just talked about you know the visual visual aesthetic and the soundtrack was just like booming and like you know empowering and you just like okay but how does it really fit in mm. which i again feel is more of you know to dance sort of to keep viewers attached in some way because otherwise it just feel very dreary and gloomy yeah i like even the in the finale when they are all walking back after yeah. the stoning it's, it's just like it's too much of i mean in some ways i get why they're doing it but it, it, it doesn't really fit in with the vibe of the show as it happens for me mm. so like the the especially the, the songs that were used that you know the 80s and the 70s classic on the first three four episodes they were in complete contrast with what had happened until then hmm. so which is why even in i think in the 8th or 9th episode when she uh was it the 5th episode i don't know i forgot so, some were in the middle when the uh, when she speaks the latin phrase you know and when they all walk out and then she says nolite de bastades carbondrum which is so that was the addition right the last word was an addition for the show because they're trying to sort of show hashtag #girl power in some sense yeah. you know, because i mean i guess in some ways it makes sense because atwood wrote the wrote the book in the 80s when we didn't really have this you know empowering girl movement in the same fashion that we have today yeah. but in in some other way it sort of uh, takes away from what the characters and the society was hmm. yeah so now that you mentioned the soundtrack i i should 
I mean, it's pretty basic, but I should still praise one thing I noticed, which is they've done very good mastering. So if you remember in episode nine, once again, um, there was this one scene where uh, they're just walking out of that uh, room after looking at that baby and then handing it over mm. to the family. Um, there's this one part where everybody's saying praise be, praise be as right. she passes by. So you can hear it in the right channel and the left channel as people from the left and right like yeah. say that individually mm. so that i mean if you, you will only notice it if you have like really good speakers or if you're um i mean watching it with a nice pair of headphones on um <laughs> i mean so that that was a, a nice touch as far as like you know now when i was watching that it like really hit me so yeah that shows you that there's yeah. like considerable product production quality here right yeah like hulu is attached to this show like they're invested in this and they want to make it a show which can rival other prestige shows on our time right now. Yeah, I think it can, surely, because uh, first of all, the topic is really relevant uh, yeah. in today's world. And secondly, they are really putting in a lot of effort into these minor things. Like I mentioned, the expression of Aunt Lydia yeah. and these tiny musical touches. That helps when you have such a great cast, right? Like yeah. Anne Dowd is one of the best actresses who plays Aunt Lydia. Yeah. Mm. And you really, you really hate her. Like <laughs> yeah, the way she's acted, uh, you know, done a good job with it. Also should praise the script writing in this case. Uh, because in Aunt Lydia's case in particular, like you have to have those dialogues which really make you hate her, yeah. and also like some of the scenes where she's really angry at these handmaids, uh, you can see like you know her frothing and spit flying out of her mouth and all that. So it's like a very nicely done thing. Takes a lot of practice, yeah, and takes a lot of skill to execute it. And I just thought I should like praise it. So yeah, um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Akhil, you want to talk about how you can watch uh, Handmaid's Tale in India? So unlike Ama- uh, American Gods, I was going to say Amazon Gods. <laughs> <laughs> like American Gods, which is available in India on uh, American Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime Video. Not American, American Prime, Prime Video. Video. <laughs> it's like AA is a god. I don't know what's mine. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Handmaid's Tale doesn't have any international deals yet. Yeah. Primarily because Hulu is a streaming service and it, it expects people to sign up wherever they are because it's available. Unlike, I think, Netflix, they don't have region blocking. Mm. I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that. But I think you can just like just sign up, uh, pay the 5 or $10 a month and just watch it there. Which yeah. is a great time to do it now mm. because season has ended, which means you can actually bypass that if you never got a Hulu trial. Just get a trial, binge watch it one weekend and just like forget it. Yeah, but if you like it, then I suppose, you know, yeah, at least get a month subscription and support Hulu. Yeah, support the creator so they can make, they yeah. have more budget. Yeah, obviously. yeah, exactly. We need like more such shows, yeah. right? at least I'd say. So yeah, all right. That's it for this episode of Transition. And we will see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Gadgets360. And do write to us at podcast at Gadgets360.com. The music for this episode comes via Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album PPP, PPP is where the tracks are from. Thank you.